Hi, everybody. This is Jackie Schwab back with the Press Play Lifestyle Inspired Podcast, where we do interviews with people like Miss Rebecca here on topics that help our listeners, that's you, find the resources, tools, and support they need to be their best inspired selves. So how are you today? I am doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Connecticut, and the sun is finally shining. I am ready for spring. It is shining. I can see the sunshine and like you're way back in your window and it just started. It's We're in Wisconsin. So I saw the sun the other day and I did so miss her. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shine. It's been very gray here. Very, very yeah. gray. So could you just tell the audience like a little bit about yourself and like what you're up to these days? Absolutely. Um, so a little bit about myself. I am a, a mom of an awesome 11 year old um, who has certainly put us through every pace of parenting that we could have asked for. Um, I live in the northwest corner of Connecticut, which is a beautiful rural woodsy area um, with my family and our very fluffy cat named Maccabee. And I'm an educator. And I think in many ways, I have been an educator for much longer than I was willing to admit. Um, I was always that kid who wanted to go down and help in the younger classes when I was little, but fought it um, for a while, went through every possible, you know, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a biologist. Nope. Nope. I'm in education. Um, And I think it's really at the core of who I am is somebody who really loves helping people solve their problems around learning. And where I've really found my happy spot is in working in the space between families and schools and helping, I should even say families and education. I do work with homeschool families and helping them understand how they can move through their education really successfully. And so I am, um, that's, that's who I am. I'm a problem solver and I really like helping families work through things in education. What that's looked like over time has been as an educational consultant. I've done a lot of tutoring and individual help for families. I um, lived in Colorado for a long time and in Colorado education is very deregulated, uh, which means that there, the state doesn't put a lot of restrictions on it. So families can get pretty creative. So I was able to really help families build programs that worked for them between homeschool, public school, private school. Um, That led to me starting a progressive middle and high school called the Peak School, which is still out there and happy in Frisco. So hi, everyone at Peak, if you're listening. Um, They have a a very special place in my heart and went from there to move on to be an elementary school principal. And now I'm the CEO and founder of Crossbridge Educational Consulting, where all I do all the time is help work with families and schools to improve educational outcomes for kids. Well, that. Uh, that wasn't too bad. That was pretty reasonable. And um, I have to say, I was, um, I am a nerd. I love school as a kid. I was the one like teaching my brother, like having play school. And I don't know how I, I, ta- I taught for a bit, just like second post-secondary education, ITT tech. But um, what I love about education, I didn't realize until I had a special needs child. And as I was helping her with some particular problem, it was the coolest thing when you actually look at a child and you see them learn. Like the moment they go, oh, well, yes, yes, I do know this thing. 
And um, man, I'll tell you what, I do just about any, like of all the highlights of my day, of my week are um, my four, I have four kiddos, they're all different ages and different abilities, different stages. And just to see them just sometimes get it. If there were like cartoons, the light bulb would literally go off over their head. Um, so I love educators, especially educators that um, recognize it is a partnership between the family, the, the student, and the institution. Um, we had a couple misses with our daughter who needed some different supports, but then we found her perfect place and just the growth that you get to see in a child, um, especially when you worried or thought maybe they may not get that growth is just, oh, it just warms your whole heart, right? To just be, be so honored to see some, a child learn it. Yeah, that's cool. one of my favorite moments. I think you talk about the light bulb moment for kids when, when you as a parent can see them really growing. There's a similar moment when I work with families where they'll come into my office or I'll be sitting with them or talking with them over the phone. And I can, I can feel the tension and the stress and that worry that you're talking about of like, we've had a miss or this isn't working or is this going to be okay? Especially if they've just gotten some hard news about their kiddo or their coming to understand their child in a different way for the first time. And when over the course of the conversation, you kind of watch or hear their shoulders drop away from their ears. And there's this exhale moment where they realize that it's going to be okay. And we may not know exactly how it's going to get to okay, but it's going to be okay. And that moment is, is really what I work for all the time is just how do we help people step into that space where this doesn't have to be so hard. And it's just such, it's so rewarding when you get that little, that little moment and you, you realize that, you know, there's, there's somebody else on that path to like growth and success. Yeah, I think it's great. I, we have, we've had every, almost every circumstance, we haven't homeschooled, but We've had public, we've had private, we've had like a hybrid kind of thing. We've had special education services. We've had not had special education services. And I think that um, it does matter to have more people that stand in the middle of that space. It w is a godsend. I mean, I wish there were more um, kind of advocates in that, in that middle area because um I'm fairly educated. Like I have a master's degree and I still found navigating some, uh, like for us, we have uh, school choice. So there's like, there's all these complicated levels and when you can pick and what you can pick and what you can't pick. And you have to pick by a certain date you have to pick. And if you have a kid in this one, but not in this one and, and all these rules and just to, to be so stressed. Um, and, our, and then our kids feel that. Right. And then we wonder why they don't want to go to school. Well, you know, we just ran around like a crazy person pulling her hair out. Yeah. Maybe that's why. I don't know. That's when you get the, them waking up with the stomach aches every day. Yeah, we've had that. Right now it's uh, the, like I told, we were talking, preparing for it. Um, right now it's the earache, which has been long since resolved, right? So we had a bunch of ear infections in the house. And so now the littlest guy now every day for like the last two weeks, I can't go to school. My ears are hurting. I won't be able to hear like, yeah, I'm sure you're not listening anyway, buddy. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you have kids in, in four different schools. 
three of the four. So we have um, we have a large age span. We have um, a daughter who's going in high, who's in high school public, and then we have um, my sons who are eight and ten are in uh, middle school or elementary and middle school are together private Catholic school, and then our our eight year old who's um, autistic is in uh, public. Um, what do they call? It's like a everyone's there public. She's but she's not quite mainstreamed yet. She still has some extra separate supports, uh, mostly because she's she she's elected into having some separate time from other humans. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's doing like I just tell you, having the right teacher support system, not just teacher, but her teacher's crazy balls. But having the right teacher is just it's been this experience for her <clears throat> that used to be traumatic. I mean, like legitimately trauma causing to she is devastated if she doesn't see the bus coming. You know, she loves her teacher. She loves the support system at the school. She's telling us things. She's she's like testing at grade level now and learn to write. So um, it does matter, but it wouldn't be that way if my husband and I weren't involved and it wouldn't be that without a great OT and a great PT and an amazing special ed teacher and great support. So yeah, we have, we're all over the place. <laughs> what did you do as a parent in that moment when you, you said there've been a couple misses in that moment when you realized this was a miss, how did you realize that this was not the environment your child was going to thrive in? And what well, that was pretty aware. <laughs> so um, we got a call from, so Zoe was in school with the boys <clears throat> and her older sister at that point. So they're all there. And um, our older kids came to school and said, came home and said, mom, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, well, what happened? They said, they literally locked all of us in our classrooms until Zoe stopped screaming in the hallway at the top of her lungs. And I was like, I don't think that's working. Cause How heartbreaking as a parent. Yeah, first of all, she's like in the hall screaming alone and no one would supporting her. Second, they wouldn't let her siblings go out. And third, they literally like called her out globally through the entire school and said, until Zoe blah, 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 stops acting like blah, 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 we're not going to do this. Um, and I was very shocked because they, you know, my oldest had been there a long time and been a very, very good place and they said that they were willing to work with us and we had therapists there like we had full-time ABA therapists that were with us so it was actually our other kids um and people may or may not like my response but it was I have four kids that need to be educated and 127 kids in the school they all deserve to learn too right and so clearly not the best fit for her but also not the best fit for my other three kids who weren't being supported then either. Mm -hmm. um, so we looked for different solutions, but we're pretty, we're pretty kind of flow. Go with, you kind of have to at some point, but, um, and then we found the school she's in. Well, it was a, a lot of stuff to go through, but we got lucky. I mean, they're, they love her. They think they, they call us when she does the cutest little things that only they would know were huge things to us, you know, mm -hmm. when she says her first words or she comprehends for the first, like 
she can read at like a 12th grade level, but she's, but she's has trouble articulating herself. Um, or it, so they're like, Hey, she read this book and comprehended, like she told us about it. So they tell us, I know, right. We're just like, Oh, this is so great. We, we come home. We're like, how's your day? She's like, fine. <laughs> You had like an amazing day. Your teacher called us like through her teacher almost cried once. She was so happy that Zoe found figured out a math problem. Like that's how amazing it is. So for us, it was that it was what it wasn't a good um, behavior fit for her. It wasn't a good fit for the other kids. Um, And it sounds like it took some work to find the right spot. And it did. It did. Services. Yeah. So it had started out before the school, but but so we got spoiled because we found a wonderful daycare school from the time she was little that was just amazing. And they and they didn't they weren't autism trained, but they were Zoe trained. And <laughs> then she had a therapist with her in, in the like preschool place for years until she went to regular school because at six you have to where the state freaks out here. And um like she went from this really supportive place to, you know, somewhere that wasn't. And then we just had to work through that um, and find a place that supported her. And we're going to have to go through that in another two years because school age is only till sixth grade there. Um, and maybe we'll get that lucky and maybe we won't. But um, I think my advice is if you don't have someone like yourself that can help with that, that like bridging, um, don't stop trying don't there is an answer there is a a advocacy group there's a people for disabilities board if your kid's special if your kid is bright you have the same issues right getting them into ap classes and getting them into other things but um there is a way there's always a way you just might have to like bulldoze through a wall to get it but and sometimes it's knowing what the right questions are to ask right that's one of the biggest things I'll do with families is what I'll sit down and talk with them. And a lot of families, I don't, don't need to work with me long-term to get where they need to go. They need to sit down for an hour or sometimes a little bit longer. And we just need to put together the plan for them, the roadmap so that they know what questions to ask. What are the keywords to listen to, to know if somebody's going to be the right fit for their child who to call first, who to make sure gets what documents in what order so that the services can happen. <laughs> I just looked at your face. That's, that's the face of every parent who's been through it, right? And put yourself on the front end of that of the, I haven't been through it to know. You don't even know that when you call the PT's office and schedule your first appointment and you show up that they're going to send you away if you don't have the referral from your pediatrician first. And then you have to go back, but the pediatrician needs a letter from the school before they can. It's Uh, crazy. And families spend so much time just trying to figure out the right steps. So sometimes just that's some of the work I do with them is, hey, look, let me put together the steps for you. You can go and do it on your own if that's, if you feel confident in that let me save you some time. And that, I mean, one of the, the audience you serve is busy career driven parents. Right. Right. And time is such a precious commodity. Yeah. We have not. Right. And I I love that you said that. And I, one of the things that we were really lucky um, and we didn't expect to be was the, the local school system here. And I, as a really good IEP program and they have great, in-school advocates that advocate for their kids. 
amazing. It's crazy amazing and completely unexpected. Um, but that means we're, this sounds like a really weird thing to say, but it means we're kind of lucky we have a special kid because we have special kid supports, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you have, but if you have a exceptionally miraculously bright kid, they don't have IEPs for super smart kids, right? They don't have um, education plans for that kid. Like I have one of my kids has a really unique sound dysplasia. Um, it's, um, it's a dyslexia of a derivation. And, um, and he's not really struggling with it now. They originally just thought it was regular dyslexia, but it's like he has some sound issue where he can't make a picture make sense to a sound in his head. And so he was really struggling with reading and he thought he was not smart, but he's so smart. The kid is like crazy smart, but he wasn't not smart enough or too smart enough. Right. So you can, you can have these little spaces where the kids fall in. And I think those are the, those are the more challenging moments. It's like, I learned the hard way how the system worked, but I learned it through a system, right. Mm -hmm. That I could find and look up. Um, a lot of parents, there isn't like a roadmap, right? For, I have a pretty okay kid, but they have this one challenge or this learning situation or they're extra bright or they twitch or they have Tourette's or whatever their thing is. There's not as much support there, I think. And, and the way the school, the way legislation has played out over the last few decades of time and, and the way it's currently impacting our students is that if schools can help students engage with the curriculum and be successful in the curriculum without doing any testing or any special education services, then they don't qualify for those services, even if they could benefit from them to become their best self. But as long as schools can get them through, it's called the RTI response to intervention. I'm sure you, you're abundantly familiar with this. Um, if schools can get them up to a reasonable baseline that's meeting their standards of qualification which for somebody like me who like you is, is a little bit of a nerd I'm a total edgy geek I want to understand how kids brains work so that we can serve them to the best capacity we possibly can um, so I, I oftentimes feel myself kind of flatlining a little bit when I come up into some of these situations and saying but doing fine isn't doing their best so what do we need to understand about these kids, our kids, so that we as parents can help them be their best selves and we can help teachers better understand how they learn? Because sometimes it's just simple tweaks. I've worked with some kids who we know will do fine in the curriculum. And if you can make sure directions are always presented to them visually instead of auditorily, they can thrive. I had um, my nephew moved in with me when I was, I was really young and I was helping with him as math and he had, he had a learning delay more from environment than ability. Mm -hmm. And I was helping him as math and I'm, I'm not kidding you. It was the seventh way that I had worked out to try to show him how to do this. What I very basic multiplication problem. And I ended up drawing out picture of boxes with like colors and then coloring in for this. And then, you know, like this, and he looked at me and he was so serious and so mad. 
He's like, why didn't you just say that in the first place? And I'm telling you, I mean, try to find the seventh way of showing like one, and I'm not a teacher, right? So I'm like, but what if we always taught him that way, right? What if he always was shown those things? And his, so much of his self-esteem was linked to the fact that he was too stupid to do stuff in school, Um, but he wasn't, he was bright. He just learned different than the base curriculum was supporting at the time. I was listening to a a TEDx talk, um, and I'm going to apologize because I can't remember the woman's name right right now, Um, but I'll I'll email it to you so you have it, and we can maybe throw it in the comments of the the episode for people who want to track it down. Um, And she was talking about why it's important to talk about difference with kids. And one of the things that she said so beautifully, and I don't think I'll ever forget this one phrase, she said, equity of outcomes does not equal sameness of yep. process. Yep. And that's just such a clear and easy way to understand what we're talking about when we're saying, look, this child might need this to get here. And just because that's different from what another child might need doesn't mean it's inequitable. If, if your child gets more time to complete a, a math assignment than the child next to them, that's not unfair. What's unfair is if the outcomes for those two kids are different and really helping people understand that. And, and it does, it, it puts such a huge hit on kids' self-esteem when the need for things to be the same, when people confuse equity with sameness and the need for things to be the same means the child on my right can learn, but the child on my left isn't. Um, and we're dealing with a burgeoning mental health crisis in our country right now. And the parents who are saving their kids from that are, are doing a few key things. They're staying involved. They're setting boundaries and encouraging freedom within that. They're letting their kids experience adversity, which is important. Um, but they're also getting help to make sure that along the way their kids have the supports they need and that parents aren't going it alone. I think, you know, the isolation kids are feeling through social media, land and lack lack of connectivity with actual humans is one that adults are suffering from too. And and the more we can connect with each other and get help from, from people who can really step in and help us better understand our kids or um, recommend resources from the field, the better off we're all going to be in helping to raise a generation of kids who are resilient and healthy and self-advocates and understand what success looks like for them and how to get there. That's perfect. Yeah. We are, um, I was at the Wisconsin People Board of People with Disabilities, and there's two concepts that both of which you've touched on that are I guess, pillars of, of things in the advocacy work. And the first one is uh, equity and equality are not the same, which is what you had said. And, and it's very similar ex, ex, explanation of the difference, right? I don't, I don't want equality. I want equity in, in every way, not just for my, my kiddo, but for, for, all, for all people. Mm-hmm. The second, um, I think we just say differently, but is the dignity of risk. Um, especially for um, children who are differently abled or neurologically atypical, they still have to fall 
they still have to fail forward and um, helicopter parenting them out of their opportunity to skin their knee really um, robs them of their resiliency and their ability to come through things when you're not there to hold their hand or to pick them up or to kiss the boo-boo. And um, so those are things that we talk about in advocacy in the disability community, but I think they're, they're no less important in advocacy work and education. We have mm-hmm. to, uh, we don't have to do anything, but what I'd love to see is that, you know, my really, really super smart kiddo can be taught in a way that she can continue to be really, really super smart. And my differently intelligent daughter can be um, continue to evolve and grow because she's taught in a way that helps her. But, but we also have to arm the teachers with resources, tools, support, um, n- not so many kids in a class if you have so many different types of learning styles. Um, and Common Core, and maybe this is controversial, but for me, Common Core isn't, is the exact opposite of everything that we're talking about. We're on the same page with that one. <laughs> well, it's about equality then, right? Not, and not equality of outcome, but equality of inputs. Mm-hmm. And, and that was like when you're a kid and you're like, he got my toy today to get one. Like that's the kind of crap that that's leading to. And, but that's just me as a reasonably informed parent being frustrated. Um, but yeah. so I think we're saying the same types of things that like advocate for our kids to, but I, but gosh, we can't forget about the educators either. Like that teacher that I told you is amazing. She's going to burn out. She's got like six kids, like my daughter all at once. My daughter is enough for me. Like, and, you know, she is like an, an eight hour day where we're, she's making her learn something she doesn't necessarily want to do. That's a, that's a tall order. That's a tall order without support. So I think we have to, we have to make sure we include both sides of the equation in that relationship too. And that's one going to be one of the keys. I, if I'm starting to think really globally about how do we like fix the education system and I just put fix in quotes, but it's, it's really elevating teaching as a profession and helping to lift teachers back into a space where they're seen as experts in their field um, and where they're given the resources and tools to continue their education and to stay abreast of research and trends and, and do the good work. Um, Simple things like teachers need planning time. If you survey any group of teachers in uh, you know one of those really highly scientific spheres like Twitter, um, <laughs> the, the thing that comes up the most when you think about what te- when you ask teachers what they would want, um, I could I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my rant for a minute. I was about to go off on a little little tangent there, but is time what they want is time, and they want time to plan, they want time to read, they want time to really look at kids' work in a meaningful way to be able to understand each individual child in their classroom um, and what the modern educational system takes away from them over and over and over again is time just through additional layers of bureaucracy and paperwork that have to get filled out, adding responsibilities, cutting budgets, cutting resources. Um, when you continually disempower a group of people who went out of their way to get all of that education 
her love of, of learning and love of teaching, then yeah, right. You're going to have burnout. You're going to have frustrated teachers. You're going to, so it, it is a system. I think it's the parents have a play, a role and, and they much more active role could be, would be preferred, I believe. And that the teachers have a role, but they have to be supported. Yeah. Um, and we can't like, I have a lot of parents and I'll, we'll probably wrap up because I don't want to keep you. I know you have other parents and families to help, but um, we have a lot of parents who get really frustrated with how a teacher this or didn't do that or whatever. And, but they're not like we used to, and maybe it's just us, but we used to create a special set of flashcards because that's what our daughter needed. And the teacher didn't have time for that, but she used them because we provided it. You know, mm-hmm. We went to all of the parent-teacher conferences, even though we knew it was going to be bad news again for a while, right? Um, but then it wasn't always bad news. But you can't hold them to a higher standard for outcomes than you hold yourself. Yeah. And we do. It's a lot of disproportionate, right? Dis- disproportionate in the expectations and the reality of how we treat our educators. Yeah. And I think parents finding those positive spaces where they can see their kids through the lens of joy and play and appreciation for who they are as humans, giving themselves some grace and being gentle with themselves because we are all humans um, and we are all imperfect and recognizing that um, each of us can do little things to help make big change, but no one of us is responsible for changing the whole system. And as parents, the best way you can help make change is by helping to support your own children, your own children's teachers, and really help understand what the needs are and what your your right steps are. Because when you're doing that and your children feel safe, then they can learn. And when they can learn, the teachers feel supported and filled up because they're being successful in the job that really is very mission centered for them. Um, and so unfortunately it isn't, it can't be about the money. <laughs> I, I, I and only because I'm sad. Like my, my neighbor was a, um, she, she's not our neighbor now, but she was for like 20 years. She taught fifth, sixth and seventh grade. She's a master's degree. She made less with all of that and all those credentials and 40 kids than I made when I graduated college and got my first job. Mm -hmm. And that included her buying most of the kids supplies because a very poor district. And I thought, Oh my gosh, she went back and spent money to get her master. She did all of this work and she loved her kids because if it weren't for the mission, how do you keep doing that work? Yeah. It's, it's really, really hard. And that's, those are some of the bigger questions that we're, we're working to address systemically while also, Well, we're glad we have people like you that are helping us do that. So thank you so much for your time today. Any last um, parting words for our audience of where they can reach you or information of how um, you can help them in the future? Absolutely. Um, I would love, I love talking to people. So please reach out. Um, The best way to reach me is to go to our website at www.teamcrossbridge.com. It's teamcrossbridge.com and you can sign up to just make an appointment with me and have a, have a phone call. Um, if you just need a good listening ear, great. I love hearing from what's going on out there in the world. Um, and if you want to see if that's a good opportunity for us 
to work together, I'm, I'm happy to do that too. And sometimes that's just, like I said, making a quick roadmap for you so that you can go off and do the work yourself. And if you, you need somebody who's gets into the trenches with you, we can do that too. Um, but above all, I'll just reach out because I'd love to, I'd love to chat and hear people's stories. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll make sure we have, um, Team Crossbridge in the show notes, as well as your other connection information. Thank you so much. I know you're very busy and you're out there educating our kiddos for a better tomorrow. So thank you. And I look forward to keeping in touch over the years. That sounds great. Thank you for the work you do. Oh, thanks. Bye. Bye.